but I will argue that when you stop selling, you stop growing. So if you think that you're maxed out right now and you're not actively having conversations and tracking those, what if you lose a client and then all of a sudden you're going to freak out? You just heard a clip from our latest guest on the People Digital Marketing Podcast, Ali Schwanke. Ali is the CEO and founder of SimpleStrat, an agency of expert strategists in sales and content marketing for B2B tech companies. Ali and her team focuses on growing businesses through tech and automations, specifically specializing in the implementation of HubSpot. Ali is a sought-after speaker and the co-host of HubSpot Hacks the popular YouTube channel with over 1 million views and more than 15,000 subscribers. And on this episode, we talk about how to successfully adopt a CRM, how to use HubSpot effectively, and some good old content marketing tactics. So without further ado, let's tune into this episode with Ali Schwalke. Hi, Ali. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. All right. So before we hit record, I wanted to just quickly give you a little bit of backstory about the podcast. And now I think it's very appropriate to get some backstory about you and your career. So Ali, my first question for you is how did you become a digital marketer? Yeah, it was a long winding road. And I think that a lot of folks that are in our positions have that similar story where you're definitely just curious about the things around you. So my first job, I guess you could say, or adventure was a photography studio out of college. And I really loved photography. Now I have a YouTube channel. So obviously that translated into multimedia, but, um, I started doing what I wanted to do as corporate photography. The city that I was in didn't have a whole lot of opportunities then. And so I ended up doing babies, weddings, things like that. And someone asked me, can you build me a website? And I said, sure. How hard can that be? Uh, well, fast forward, that's kind of been the way that my career has progressed is, can you do this? And if I didn't have an, a job or an opportunity to do that, I would find friends who wanted to do cool things, like kind of like what you're doing, launch your own podcast, see how it works. So um, that's really been my journey. And now I'm an agency owner and all of that's been just a constant learning opportunity. And you give more context into what your agency does. Sure. So I own an agency called Simple Strat. We are a HubSpot diamond partner. And that means that we help folks both in HubSpot automation, sales automation, anything on that platform. And then for folks that need to execute campaigns to just like you're doing, drive awareness, build brands, um, whether that's multimedia or written, we help folks execute through content creation as well. I don't like to assume context for the listeners. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to gloss over this. Let's quickly get a brief overview of what is HubSpot. Yeah, so HubSpot is one of the most popular CRM or customer relationship management tools out there. It's going to be somewhat of a database that helps you capture the contact information and preferences of your customers as well as prospects. And then there's a variety of features and functions inside that platform that make it possible for you to do things like email marketing, outreach to them, you know, track your sales, uh, really grow your business so that the information and, and campaigns that you're running are all in one place. Among all of the CRMs that are out there, why did you decide to choose HubSpot as like your main tool and service offering? Yeah, we really saw that the if you're just a digital marketer and you go into any company, the, the term tech stack is what you're going to hear. So as a marketer, it's really important. I know you had a, a person on your podcast most recently that talked about being a generalist. 
which is really, really important. I think when you're early in your career as being what we'd call a T-shaped marketer, and that T-shaped marketer is familiar with the, the strategies and tactics that one uses, but they're not necessarily a platform-specific expert. And the further we get into HubSpot, the harder it is to help folks know exactly what to do with a tool unless you're really, really, really deep into it. So I saw where the platform was going. I said, these this company is marketing first, which we are too. And we created a YouTube series called HubSpot Hacks that teaches people the platform and with the groundswell of kind of awareness and, and opportunities we've gotten from that channel, we decided to go all in on HubSpot as a result of the expertise that we started building. And really, like, I shouldn't say this publicly, but there's many times that we sometimes find ourselves outperforming the content that the company themselves creates because we just, we've been in the platform doing so many things for our clients. Taking a step back from HubSpot and just talking over the concept of CRMs in general. Are CRMs a vital tool for businesses? Are there any use cases where they're not necessary? You know, I think there are folks that run a business that's somewhat smaller and they're only going to be able to handle, let's say, five clients at a time if they're a solopreneur. They might not have a need for a CRM, but I will argue that when you stop selling, you stop growing. So if you think that you're maxed out right now and you're not actively having conversations and tracking those, what if you lose a client and then all of a sudden you're going to freak out? So even when you're first starting your business, like today, I had folks that I talked to six months ago. They said they weren't ready yet. All the conversations we've been having have been logged in our CRM and then beginning our newsletter. So they're getting additional views with us. And then what I tell my clients is, when you watch multiple videos with you, I hear this all the time. I feel like I've had lots of meetings with you, Ali, because I've watched all your videos. So again, they wouldn't have that experience if they weren't getting those emails, which are tied to the CRM function. Why do so many CRM adoptions fail? Because they they literally just see it as a shiny tool instead of what they want to do with it. So it's I personally am not a fan of shopping. I kind of see it like that. Um, if I go into a store and I see all the cool like outfits and things you could do, I just, I honestly get overwhelmed. So when I go shopping, I have a very purposeful thing I'm looking for. I need an outfit for this. It needs to fit with this. It needs to match with these shoes. And that's, that's how you need to think about your technology when you're selecting it. With HubSpot in particular, is it a tool that is just optimized for marketing or can any other department use it as well? It certainly started as more of a marketing tool, and it has since evolved to be a driver of what we call the customer journey. So from they have no idea who you are to they are now an engaged customer that may be ups, like buying more services or being upsold or having referrals. So we tend to look at HubSpot now as more of a marketing operations platform than just a marketing platform. Because if you have a bad experience as a customer, that thwarts all the activity that's happening previously. So it's these days, it's really about like for people getting into marketing, especially if you can go into interviews and talk more about the entire customer journey and the experience, you will have a leg up on folks that just gravitate to shiny objects and tactics. Hey there. I want to talk to you about a great platform that you can use to support your business, support your team and get through this tough market, especially if you're trying to continue growing your marketing. But you need more support, and that's Marketer Hire. What's Marketer Hire? 
Market or Hire is a platform similar to Upwork and Fiverr where you can hire vetted freelancers that can help you with your marketing. The difference between Upwork and Fiverr is that every single freelancer that's on the platform is vetted, evaluated for their skills, and they only get the top 1% of practitioners in the space. You can get SEO marketers, email marketers, even fractional CMOs on this platform. And what's even better is thanks to a partnership that I have with them, you can get your first $500 off in a credit when you hire your first freelancer on the platform. All you need to do is go to kennysoto.com forward slash hire. That's kennysoto.com forward slash H-I-R-E to get your first $500 off on your first freelance hire. And again, this is a great platform that you can use at any time whenever you're trying to scale your business at any stage of your business. So if you have a business that you're trying to grow, or if you just want to help support your team and impress your boss, visit kennysoto.com forward slash hire to get your first freelancer to support your team today. I tried to make it an effort in my own career to master a tool, but then make sure the tool is being used in a practical way where we're not just spending the enterprise level amount either annually or monthly for the sake of having that tool on our, our tech stack. What are, and it can be any number of things, but let's just mm -hmm. start with the first thing. What is a practical way of using HubSpot to aid in sales enablement? Yeah, so HubSpot has a feature called Documents, and Documents allows you to upload commonly used, let's call them sell sheets or case studies or something that you would typically find yourself in an in-person meeting, sliding it across the table mid-meeting or, or post-meeting. And when you upload those uh, pieces of information, your sales team can use those in their sales follow-up and outreach, and they can actually then track engagement, who's opened them, how long have they viewed them, and use that intelligence to you know, hopefully inform your sales strategy. If we're assuming that there are a handful of listeners who have used HubSpot for many years, let's say, what are the uncommon tactics, the advanced tactics that really only you know about? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, there's things we were talking about in our meeting this morning, and that is somewhat of the interface inside of HubSpot. So let's say that you have specific fields that you track for certain customer behaviors, and those are automated. You can use conditional um, uh, views on the, on the sidebar to have those properties show up or not. So a user will not see those properties if they're not populated. And that's, you know, somewhat sounds like, well, why would you use that? When you start tracking a lot of stuff in your system, users can get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of information that you're that you have. And our job as HubSpot admins is to make it as easy as possible for you, a user of your own system, to execute. Right? Um, there's what you call progressive fields. So if I know a lot about you as a customer, I should not be asking you the same questions every time you register for a webinar. So now I can ask you questions like, hey, what's your favorite podcast or what's this or that? And because a small percentage of people will get to that point, they feel like if you ask what's your favorite podcast and you just left it open field, you're probably going to get 20% of the people that get that question. But wow, what a good piece of information that you could track on your customers by asking different questions as you move along like the development of their journey. So those are those are two that I'd say I'd love to see more companies using those. Let's talk about your agency for a second, because I feel like if we just talk about HubSpot, that could be an episode <laughs> in and of itself, but I want to get sure. a holistic picture of what everything you know. What are some of your go-to marketing tactics to promote yourself online and to promote your agency? 
yeah, YouTube is definitely going to be our, uh, our bread and butter. And we've learned a lot about what B2B marketers can be doing on YouTube. And I will say this simple, stupid trick is pick a topic in a niche and stay there. And I think the thing that I've learned more than not on HubSpot and even just like creating content about it is you're not going to subscribe to our channel because you want to hear about my weekend and how my last trip to a conference went. Like if you want to have a talk show, have a talk show, but you may struggle to get listeners because they want to know what to expect from you every week. So that would be, you know, YouTube's definitely one of them. LinkedIn's huge. I think everybody, especially as marketers, the number of marketers that I talk to that don't know what to do on LinkedIn is for like themselves is quite shocking. And I think they're all afraid to be phonies. So instead I teach, or I just encourage marketers who are getting active on LinkedIn to think about LinkedIn as a place that you would go and collaborate on ideas. Don't think about what am I going to say to the world today? Because that's the wrong thing. So what did I share in a meeting yesterday that was helpful to somebody? And how can I share that with my LinkedIn community today? So if, if folks do struggle with that in your community, um, it's probably like, if you just Google this, you'll probably find it. I had a viral tweet last week in a viral LinkedIn post that had a 30 day posting plan that I share. And I mean, thousands of people commented on the, on the post. And so I have been happily sharing that with people if they want to kind of get, use that and get started. I'm glad you mentioned that one of the issues that I had was imposter syndrome. I Mm -hmm. became a host of a podcast, six, maybe seven episodes in, had no idea whether or not I wanted to continue doing it. And I think the only reason why I stick to it is because I still have that mental barrier of I'm a marketer, but I don't know if I'm an expert in SEO, which is what I specialize in. So in order to get over that hurdle, what I've decided is just highlight what other experts know. You don't always need to be the creator of an idea. You could be the promoter of an idea. Obviously, give credit where credit's due. And then that's the content that you're using. Basically saying, instead of I'm an expert, I'm a person who interacts with experts. Here's what I'm learning over time. You don't always need to have the information coming from yourself as a source. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I think it actually, that bodes much better for you on the platform than having this false sense of what I'd call authority. Because, and I, some people just look young regardless of their age. But if you're talking about all these amazing things that you've learned in the course of your career and you look 22, you're just going to come across looking like an imposter unless you're like a 22-year-old creator that has 5 million followers on on YouTube. Then people will will take you differently. Um, I think the other thing when marketers have a side hustle like like you do, like this podcast, go and experiment on something of your own so you can use your own money to figure out where you want to try a tactic. Because otherwise you're constantly playing with your employer's money. And that's the thing about running an agency is if we run a campaign and it, it's a giant flop, I'm going to write the crap out of that. And I'm going to use that as a case study to show people that, you know, we fail too. Yeah. When it comes to your content strategy, I ask this question because I know I've struggled with this. I'm trying to push myself forward to get more comfortable with video. Mm-hmm. What it, what tips and advice would you have for someone who is shy on camera but knows that the next stage in their content strategy is to incorporate video somehow? Yeah, that's a hard one because there's definitely folks that are better at video naturally. And there's a couple of things I'd say in my background that somewhat 
um, catered to video because of training. So if you've gone through theater training or stage training, or if you've done any sort of PR training, any of those are going to have the building blocks of what you need to be better on camera. Cause it comes down to stage presence, comfort and confidence in your ideas and the ability to grab attention quickly and wrap it up succinctly while driving the point home. So all of those are like simple, but difficult. Making a swift transition into talking about marketing overall. Where are people losing time or dollars in their marketing efforts this year? Mm, lots of places. <laughs> One of the biggest, I'd say, bleeds of marketing dollars is not sticking with a strategy long enough to know even if there is a return there. So I usually compare marketing or any anything that has a marketing and sales function to it to, to exercise and fitness. The people that are getting results, they typically are changing their lifestyle and their diet and they're going to the gym and they're seeing results initially within maybe four to six weeks. But to lose that 50 pounds, it takes a year. So they should know whether or not that program's working 90 days in, but they shouldn't give up three weeks in. So a lot of times they're losing money by dedicating time to things that they're just constantly changing direction. And there's there's no way to get traction there. Or they're doing things that they don't quite know how they measure to business objectives. And they're just kind of doing them because they've always done them. Let's double click on, on two things. One, quickly define what exactly is a marketing strategy. Let's start there. Yeah. So marketing strategy versus marketing plan is a blog we have on our website for that reason. And a marketing strategy is going to be the, the unique advantage you have in the marketplace and how you take that advantage and drive value in a specific way. So it's, um, it's going to be the how um, you're going to get there. And then the individual tactics that come under that are going to be the plan, plan out. So I'm going to give you an example of our agency. So our marketing strategy is driven by content first, expert led um, voices in the marketplace because we have those internally and that's a talent that we have. If an agency doesn't have that, they might utilize a outbound approach to get into inboxes faster and execute faster on the outbound approach than we are because they have 15 SDRs in the back. So strategy is going to dictate how you structure your department, what talents you have on board and what channels you choose to execute on. The second part to this is why is it important? And I ask this because this is something that I recently learned just two years mm -hmm. ago, right? And I've been in marketing for eight years. So for six years, I was just wasting time. <laughs> why is it important to tie marketing strategy back to business goals and company strategy? Yeah, actually, I have a workshop later this month about this specifically because there's a big disconnect between folks that don't have a background in marketing that are in an executive role and folks that do. So if you work for a marketing educated, a marketing buy-in founder, you don't spend as much time proving yourself because they already can connect awareness to conversion, to decision, to renewals. If you don't work for a marketing first founder or a team that's really, really, really focused on meetings, they're going to give you metrics that you need to hit that are going to be somewhat difficult or nearly impossible because they don't understand the top of the funnel is completely a desert. So the top of the funnel 
if you don't have a business objective, like we need to be top of mind among this audience, that's a terrible smart goal. But as an objective, that means we need to maintain awareness among this specific addressable market. And here's the three ways we're going to do that. And we're going to track it by impressions and, and share a voice. If you don't talk about that, you're going to be forced to how many meetings did we get? And you're like, but I'm running LinkedIn ads and we're getting awareness, but no meetings. So all that understanding has to come together in order for you as a marketer to you know do your job. How can marketing teams do more with a small amount of content? So they're not necessarily creating net new posts every single day. They already have a repository. They've made an investment. What can they do with their old content? Yeah, the best thing here is to review your best hits. So just like every artist that we love and know, they've got a few songs that we like, and they've got tons of songs we probably couldn't name off of an album. And the reason is they continue to play for the people what the people want to hear. So you most likely have content in your repository. You probably do too as a podcast host. You've got episodes that seem to drive home really well. Find them, retitle them, respin them, find a new hook, and put them back onto the marketplace as is because people already liked them. When it comes to B2B marketing in general, I've seen this myself because in marketing, I get hit by ads from MarTech tools all the time. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, and I done research on your content to know that you talk about this a lot. It seems like a lot of B2B companies still don't focus on audience building. Mm -hmm. Why is audience building important? Well, as a person that has built an audience, I can tell you the ease at which we can capture attention is incredible. It, it's incredible. And the reason it gets pushed off is because it doesn't seem, it doesn't, it just seems like a nice to have initially because Tools like Zoom Info will tell you, we've got your whole audience in our database. Well, what they haven't told you is, and I use this analogy, it's like, I've got a house full of people at a party. Imagine me saying, hey guys, let's go do this thing. And everyone's already at my party versus everyone's just milling around in my neighborhood and no one gives a rat when I'd say we're doing this because they have no idea who I am yet. So building an audience and having a database are not the same thing despite what all these lead gen tools try to make you believe. That's a promotional clip if I've ever heard one. I have a couple <laughs> more questions for you. Next question, is lead scoring still effective? Yes and no. Most of the time, the reason why it's not effective is there really isn't enough data to inform the algorithm of what works and what doesn't work. So it sounds pretty sexy. There are some very high-priced predictive lead scoring tools that I think probably have propensity for enterprises that have lots and lots and lots of data going through it. For the average SMB, it sounds pretty sexy, but you should keep it pretty simple, stupid. Like if they've done these five actions, they're probably close to talking to you. How do you make time for your personal brand? Oh, um, I was just telling someone this morning that I don't really have any hobbies, maybe. <laughs> no, um, I just love, I love content. I love um, being creative. Like I'm, I was on the treadmill last night and I have 11 TikTok ideas after that run on the treadmill. Like I think my hack for content creation is every time you have an idea, write it down because people too often sit down to come up with content and then they're like, mm, what am I going to write about? I mean, I, whether that's sticky notes all over your desk, whether that's an Evernote notes on your phone, write it down because there's a reason why you thought of it. And if that doesn't work, 
devote like an hour every morning to do it and build the muscle. Once you start to see the results, it's kind of like fitness. Like once you start to see the results, you'll keep running because you enjoy the results. My last question for you, Ali, is hypothetical because time machines don't exist. But if one did, and you can go back in time about 10 years in the past, knowing everything you know today, how would you accelerate the speed of your career? I would have launched a YouTube channel 10 years ago. I would have made daily videos 10 years ago. Um, the thing that I think is so interesting right now, because I put a post out on LinkedIn a while ago that when people got laid off, if they wanted, if they want any sort of help or insight, they can reach out to me, which is that offer still stands. And the thing that I've learned is the people that have the best opportunities in their career are known by someone who knows someone. And if you're relying on your resume alone to get you opportunities, you know, great, that might work for you. But especially in an environment where we've got so many, you know, data-driven robot tools governing a lot of our communications, when someone knows you by name and they can recognize the value that you have, even yourself, like interviewing people, if more marketers would do that, they they would find their next job fairly easily. This is the first time where I'm I'm prompted and inspired to to add my own advice here, which would just be keep in mind for like this is directly to you, the listener. Keep in mind that not only are you competing with other job candidates, you're competing with other tools that are automating mm -hmm. what you do. Not in every case, but in some cases now they're going to be able to automate what you do. And you're also competing with people who be, are becoming more aware of this advice that you just shared, which is you got to create content to stand out. So if you're not doing that, you're already falling behind. And if you are, then the challenge is just, can you prove you know what you're doing by promoting yourself while you're growing your skills in your career at the same time? So I think what mm -hmm. you're saying resonates a lot. It, it's a challenge, especially now with this year coming up and last year, all these layoffs that are happening. I suspect they'll happen even more in, in the second quarter of this year, third quarter, possibly there might be tapering off at the end of the year, but who's to say that it does taper off. So it is important to not just rely on your resume. You need an excuse to meet smart people like yourself. Mm -hmm. um, Cause that's how you, you're going to expand your network. You're going to accelerate your learning. That's the most important thing that I've identified from doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm just becoming smarter with doing conversations like this. And I say all this to say that one, you're definitely right. And two, if you're not doing this, there probably is a mental block that you have. Mm -hmm. There's an excuse that you're giving yourself. For me, what helped me realize that I needed to keep moving forward was just, I don't like being in a, a famine mentality where like, I feel like there isn't enough opportunity. There is opportunity out there, especially for digital marketers, even with all these automated tools like ChatGPT, Google just announced Bard, even though it might seem scary, there's opportunity there. Can you be the first marketer to master ChatGPT, Bard, all these generative AI tools to make you 10x faster, increase your output, et cetera, as opposed to being afraid of it, not learning it for whatever reason, and then you're falling behind. Same thing happened with Facebook ads. Same thing happened with YouTube. People were mm -hmm. afraid of using YouTube. Now it's like a, a go-tool channel. So at the end of the day, you just got to... You got to adapt. Yeah. And you have to be okay with being okay at first. I think yeah. too many people, people get scared. They're like, oh, my first podcast episode was so terrible. I'm like, well, it should be. It should be yeah. terrible. Um, if you don't get better as you're doing it, you're not doing it right. And you're starting too late. So 
I've tweeted this today. If you sit around waiting for the perfect website before you start doing your outreach, you will never, never sell anything ever. So that, that holds true. Quality is iterative and you don't need Mm -hmm. to get to 95%, 90%. If it's 80% good, launch it, get feedback, Mm -hmm. obviously, and then iterate over time. It doesn't need to be the perfect video. doesn't need to be the perfect piece of content. You can always do a V2. Most people I've realized on your audience, probably like five to 7%, if you're not boosting it with, with ad spend, five to 7% of your audience is seeing your content. You can mm-hmm. always repost old content that's optimized a month later or mm-hmm. a week later, yeah. give or take. If if you have anybody that's like, dude, you've posted this before, you could be like, wow, super fan follower. Like if they say that, good for you. But oh, oh my God, you're if you get that, you're probably like, ha- you have a lot of fans then. You're yeah. not going to get that. Absolutely. Allie, if anyone ever wants to say hi to you, where can they find you online? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Just search Allie Schwanke. If you go to YouTube and type in HubSpot Hacks, you'll find our channel there. And then um, <clears throat> I have a new channel launching this year called Marketing Deconstructed. It's not out yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do a build in public for that one. So awesome! Yeah, I'll put yeah. I'll put the links to all that on, in the show notes, especially when that goes live. And again, yeah. th- thank you for your time today, and thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of the People Digital Marketing Podcast. We are on episode 119. If you have any recommendations for a guest, please send me a message on LinkedIn because I'm always looking for more opportunities to meet smart people like Ali. And as always, I hope everyone has a great day. Bye. Hello there. On the next episode of the People of Digital Marketing Podcast, I will have the Director of Content Strategy at Clavio, and that is Tracy Wallace. Tracy has more than 13 years of experience in content marketing. And I had the great opportunity to speak with her and talk about content strategy, how to scale your research skills and approach research for content adoption, the good old debate of whether or not you should be a generalist or a specialist, and much more. So if you're interested in that episode and you enjoyed this conversation with Ali Schwanke, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a coworker. That's how this show grows. And as always, I hope you have a great day. Bye. Thank you.